Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, friends and family? Welcome back to the Wake Before the Day, the podcast. You know what time it is. Time to start a new book, 2 Corinthians. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> We're looking at 2 Corinthians. And before we jump into the actual scriptures, just know that 2 Corinthians... Um, it's a little, little backdrop here for you so you understand Helpful. the context. Yeah. Yes. You know, just like there are cities today where um, politicians and leaders will decide, like, we're going to invest an extra amount of money here because we see the potential that it has. Okay. It was similar with Corinth. Julius Caesar he dumped a heap of money into this city because he saw this port city had the right. potential to be very vibrant. So today, if you look at, like, Las Vegas, there's been a lot of money dumped into that city. Now, not only is it just the strip, there's multiple strips, there's surrounding suburbs, uh, the NFL, uh, MLB, NHL, NBA are all looking at dumping tons of money and creating NFL teams, NBA teams, NHL teams there. So right now they have the NFL team move there, NHL Why? team. What's like, what's well, likable? What's, uh, I think this, it's a tourist trap for people who want to come blow their money on gambling. Okay. On the deserts, warm weather. They see the potential. They see the potential. It can take money. <laughs> So anyways, as you think about that, Julius Caesar saw the potential of Corinth and just dropped a bunch of money there. Mm -hmm. Now, another side note, when it comes to Christianity in Corinth, in the late 40s AD, a bunch of Jews, Christians, were exiled from Rome because Mm -hmm. there was tension there. A lot of them, as they were exiled, went to Corinth. Okay. So when you read Romans, what's interesting is that's when they come back to Rome and they're trying to figure out how do we exist as a Roman church? Because we were here, we're gone, we're back, now there's Christians here already, and how's this working? A lot of them went to Corinth. Okay. And Corinth just had this high, high value in education, philosophy, business, and sex. Like this was just like, this is where people come to have Mm -hmm. fun, to be smart, and this is hip. So you know they have that saying, like in Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's like what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. But there's also a classy education side of things. So Paul is writing them. And the tone of this letter is not so much to um, like defend the faith. It's more of like a inspirational persuasion. Like, come on, guys. Mm. Get back to where we were. Like, here's here's why I'm trying to persuade you. Like, I'm legit. The gospel's legit. Look at our life. Look at our relationship. These kind of things. And so... Paul had sent Timothy out on a, on a loop, and he is passing through Corinth and saw the church was in shambles. He's like, oh, no, I got to get back to Paul. Paul, right. we got to write him another letter. Because <laughs> the other f- fun fact here is that we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. There was at least probably four Multiple, letters yeah. that was written back and forth between Paul and Corinth. We just have lost the other copies. Okay. So as you read this, you're going to notice that Paul's referring to something they said. He's quoting them. They're quoting Paul. And there's this back and forth. And hopefully we'll be able to fill in the gaps. I actually, before we jump into, I've wondered sometimes I've seen and talked to other people that are, that comment on like the state of like the church right now today. (laughs) They're like, oh, we'd be getting a letter for sure. Oh, for sure. And so it's curious because you can hear the tone as we read it, how it does seem different. And so I just wonder sometimes like, man, if, if Paul or if, if one of these, you know, early apostles was writing a letter to the church in 2023, it'd be like, (laughs) 
I don't yeah. know. And so it's it's fun to think about that. But I'm I'm grateful for Second Corinthians yeah, and for what we have. Start it so off for us. I am going to start right now while Clark is telling me to start. You got. It. Let's go. Paul, First an apostle one. of the church. No, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all His holy people throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this sounds so familiar because this is how Paul often starts and ends his letters. All of them. <laughs> it's like yeah. his trademark, grace starts and peace, God, God yeah. grace and peace. And so that's not, it's kind of one of those things, it's like, oh, it's easy to kind of skip over, but actually that's not a small detail. That's yeah. a big deal that Paul's making sure to point back to, you know, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or our uh, Father God, whoever you know, the title is because Paul knows and understands that mm-hmm. it's all, it's all by and through God. It's only yeah. him. And it's just that we get to partner with him in this capacity. And so just a note there, that's a huge, huge yeah. tell, you know, that this is Paul writing, but really it sounds, it sounds like the early church. And it's, it's significant though, because it reminds us that the church is so much bigger than just like, you know, the house church in Corinth or, yeah. The church is around the Mediterranean, that it's a move of God, that it's this big thing happening. And really that kind of promotes kind of this accountability mm-hmm. when it comes to leadership, when it comes to how we function together. And Paul has written about that, about church order and what it should look like, because we belong to something bigger than ourselves yeah. and to someone that's bigger. And so when you when you think about um, leadership or just a church body or people who are attending the church and how we're accountable to each other, yes... But really, there's a bigger, there's a bigger, um, you know, the sense of accountability is so much bigger than even each other. Yeah. We're accountability. We're accountable to a holy God. Yeah. The leadership is the people who are attending, and then yeah. what are you? What are you wanting to get at with the inner and outer call? Well, I what think is that? Well, there, there's obviously the accountability, like you already said, to yeah. people. But ultimately, it's to the Lord. And so when you bring leaders into a church and you want to ordain them or they're like, Hey, you're going to be an elder sure. or someone graduates seminary and they want to be ordained with like, you know, the title reverend or whatnot. The one of the questions that's always discussed is the call. Like you have to have a call by God and it's twofold. One, do you have the inner call? Like has God right. put that burning mm-hmm. inside you that you are called to this? Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, is that confirmed by everybody looking at you as you live your life going, I see it in you. So there's the outer call from other people who see the move of God in you, the traits that's lined up in the scripture. Right. So there's an accountability amongst people. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, okay, I see what God's doing. And ultimately, all the leadership in the church stands before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to get at Corinth in the first couple of chapters here, kind of gnarly because they're tense. Again, they're not trusting Paul and they're going back and forth. For sure. So he transitions to talk about comfort. Mm-hmm. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those with any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. And so when you think about this word comfort, naturally you might think about like a blanket and cuddles and a hug. And that's one sense of the word comfort. But there are also times where God comforts you when Jesus is referring to the spirit coming. He's the comforter. Hmm. The comforter also convicts you of sin. The comforter also empowers you to do what God's called you to do. The comforter also might call you out in sin and reassure you that the ways of Jesus are so much better. And so the comforting here is not so much just a coddling and a, 
oh, you're doing so right. good, you know, backpack. <laughs> it's actually like a call to the way of Jesus and just a reminder as to why that way is best. And so we have to receive that from God first. Hmm. Every day, like you listening, Bobby, you and I, we have to receive that comfort, that conviction, that empowerment from God. Hmm. Then we can offer it to other people. Because yeah. if you look at verse four, you'll notice there's a so that. Um, God comforts us in our troubles so that right. then we can comfort everybody else in their troubles. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we like the idea of comforting other people and caring for them and being kind. Mm -hmm. But if we aren't first receiving this from the Lord, then what we will give will be shallow and uh, nearsighted. Yeah. Where if you're first connected to the Lord every day and you're walking with him, you're repenting of your sin, you're re being reminded how much God loves you, you're going to have something very substantial yeah. to offer everybody else around you. And so Paul is also yeah. laying down a major assumption here, right. which he's going to keep getting to, and that is life is messy. It's hard. Pe 100%. People are going to do things and say things. We're going to do things and say things that just cause tension. Mm -hmm. And that's the... That's what you get when you deal That's with people. That walking and journeying life together. Yeah. Paul continues in verses five, six, I think seven's in here too, talking about the same theme of kind of comfort, sufferings with Christ specifically. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. As our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so mm. also you share in our comfort. And so these things kind of simultaneously exist, suffering and comfort. And one thing, though, I think we do need to make clear is like Paul's talking about suffering for the sake of the name of Jesus. Yeah. He's not talking about how you need Holy Spirit comfort because your football team lost. No, yeah. no, I'm going to rebuke that right now. In fact, you turn that TV off. You get off your fantasy football team. Hey, you open no. up your Bible. So that's a passive shot right now. And I just, I just think sometimes we confuse that with our own entitlement. And we yeah. think like, oh, my life is hard. My, well, and Paul's saying and it is hard. Well, people, people sometimes are doing a woe is me when they're living in the consequences of their decisions. And that's what you're saying with yeah. sometimes, you know, there's a conviction there that's saying, hey, this isn't the way of Jesus. So sometimes we're a little bit uncomfortable here because we need to be uncomfortable because yeah. we actually need to make a move. And so Paul's getting at here saying, when you suffer for the name of Jesus, you know that we... First of all, we suffer with you. So we share in that suffering. Yeah. We share in your comfort and know also that ultimately Jesus Christ did this. Yeah. So it's in him, through him, by him that we're actually sustained, that we're, that we are comforted, that we're able to walk in these sufferings together mm -hmm. as one people. And the word that kind of comes up often when you talk about suffering is the word empathy, sympathy and empathy, but really empathy. And how that's kind of the heart because, you know, empathy is like understanding someone's like viewpoint or position because of your own experience yeah. too. And so remind, I think that's such a, that's such a big tactic of the evil one is, Hey, we're, we're suffering and we're alone and we're isolated yeah. and no one knows what we're going through. And I look at everybody else's social media and they're doing great and I'm just not. And so first of all, we know that's not true. And just because of what the world and our culture has done with social media. But second of all, we know that that's not true because biblically we're bound together as one body in the church. And we can, we can actually come to each other with these sufferings, seeking comfort, knowing that, you know, 
maybe they've gone through something similar, maybe they haven't, but this is somebody who's going to have an empathetic response for me. And specifically, there's some people that really come to mind that do this so well, because this can also be a place of church hurt where, you know, we're, we're in a tough spot and we've come and we haven't received maybe the help that we were expecting or Mm -hmm. it's been hard. And so, and so we, we actually want to relinquish that disillusionment that, you know, the church is going to be perfect. No, 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 no. We're all sinners that are just trying to be bound together in the name of Jesus, walking to glory together. So not everything's going to be perfect. Not every conversation is going to be completely, you know, how you thought and hoped it would go. So we relinquish that. But what we do understand is this relationship that's built within the church when we get vulnerable and we bring our sufferings to Mm -hmm. each other this gift of empathy appears and there's people at church that do this so well for sure um that doesn't mean that you need lecturing or advice um often what we hear from our church and responses and our experience too has been it's presence it's someone sitting maybe it's someone offering prayer or a tangible need like food or something like that but all ultimately what most people say and this is statistically across the board outside of the church also is that the power of presence and someone just sitting, being with me as I journey through something difficult yeah. is is the biggest gift. Yeah. And so we have folks, um, actually the leader of our grief share, who, um, who has recently just walked through devastating, devastating loss. And as a family, um, you know, they're faithfully seeking the Lord and his face in their healing and their, and their hoping. And now she's actually continuing. She's felt the call to continue to lead yeah. grief share. She's going to not be able to connect with other people in, 100%. At, at a much deeper level than we, we might be able to, who can't empathize. Right. And it's a gift. It's yeah. a gift for her. She's testified to that, yeah. but then also to this community. What, what comes to my mind though, in this is that the good news is that in, when you're in Christ, no good or hard yeah. situation can be wasted. Yes. If you allow God to be present in the midst of your circumstances. Yeah. So whether you're celebrating a birthday party or an anniversary, like toot your horn, this yeah. is awesome. Invite God into that moment. Mm-hmm. But especially when it comes to the wounds, the scars, the hardships, and the pain of life, when you invite God into that, that's where that Romans eight twenty eight, where God can use all things for your good. That verse becomes very true Real when you allow God to enter into the pain and mess of life. Mm. And so if you keep going, Paul is going to continue to press into this. And there's actually a common lie I want to call out here that he addresses in these verses. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, Mm. so that we despaired of life itself. Did you catch that? They're in despair. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Hmm. The lie I want to address is (laughs) God won't ever give you more than you can handle. Right. Like, wah, wah, wah. That is not true. Paul just said they're in a situation where he was in despair. Much greater than they, Despair being like, I'm on the edge of the cliff, I might jump. Like, (laughs) up to the point of death. This is beyond us. I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. I'm depressed. There's nothing I can do in my own power. And you're like, yep, we've all been there and felt that right. and experienced it. So what does Paul do? He leans into the arms of the Lord. Mm-hmm. He invites the Lord into this process because he understands, mm-hmm. like, I can't control this. And yeah. so right now, as mental health runs rampant, um, like when we battle anxiety and depression, these kind of things, 
there's a, a way bigger conversation than what we can offer you right now. But just holding on to the fact that there will be things in your life that are bigger than you. Yeah. That are more than what you and I can handle. Yeah. And so inviting God into that and just claiming, like, God, I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. I can't control this. Yeah. And, and the truth is there's a lot in life we can't control. Right. But allowing God to step in and, and be part of like this process. And so this, again, is why resurrection hope is such a huge deal for us because we know that despite whatever it is we go through right now, our future is secure. Yeah. And your life on earth might be terrible. It might be hard. It might mm-hmm. be painful. But this is not the end of the story. Right. This is a boom in the blink of eternity Yeah. that we get to be a part of. I like where Paul moves from here, too. He kind of moves to like a place of remembering So verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again on Mm. him. We have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. And so Paul's reminding everyone, hey, God's a deliverer. He has Mm -hmm. delivered us. He takes delight in doing that and he'll continue to do that. And I think that's one of those things where you know, people use the word balance all the time, especially in like a health community. Like, hey, just, you know, you need some balance. Make sure you're getting alone time, balance, you know, whatever the vernacular is. Where here, this is actually another great example where the Bible says the scales are tipped. You need a 100% total dependence on God, not yeah. a balance of, you know, your own self-care and your own righteous living. No, it is 100% by the grace and by uh, and unto the glory of God. And so Paul's kind of reminding us that it's all you. And and really, we get to partner with each other when we ask for, when we lean on each other. So again, this kind of vulnerability in our sufferings when it comes to prayer, <laughs> where he's saying, hey, yeah. you know, we need, we need each other. Please pray. We kind of talk about that where prayer is sometimes one of those things that um, like, hey, you know, I'm sorry you're going through this. I- I'll be praying for you where it's like, no, we have an active duty. Like you can stop, you can pray right there. You can set a reminder, whatever it looks like. Uh, But Paul's reminding us that that's how we can grant each other aid and we can actually partner together because you see the church and Christians in Corinth, they're focused, like you said at the beginning, on on status, on education, on giftedness, on sexual pleasure, on physical pleasure, on things like that. And Paul's reminding them that these are things that are going to fade. These are things that we don't want to put our hope in. We want to fix our eyes fix our hope on the the one true God. This is a problem all over the Bible. If you reflect back in the New yeah. or the Old Testament, also, and so uh, love that reminder because right now it's so easy to get caught up in that. So Old Testament, and then obviously the church in Corinth, and then even for us now. Yeah, I like that the past, present, future kind of what yeah. you brought up because it's almost the same too when it comes to our salvation. Hmm. Right, you were saved. He delivered you when you became a believer. You repented and believed. There's a justification, a legal standing before God that has shifted. Yeah. Now you're in Christ. But there's a process of becoming more like Christ and yeah, leaving your 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 sin nature behind and walking in Christ. And then there's the final deliverance where there will never be sin again. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate that. But why there's a tension right now in this passage is because the people actually have lost trust in Paul. They're like, right. why, why should we trust you? And the reason why is because mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about how he wanted to go visit them and he didn't make it. And that's what okay. they're getting at here. And so Paul wasn't able to visit them. And so this is why he's saying, you should still trust me. Mm-hmm. Verse 12, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. 
We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. So what Paul is saying is, what, who you see here is what you get. What yeah. you see is what you get. Who I am on Friday night is who I am on Sunday morning. And I've told you what I've told you, and I'm sticking by it. Sometimes he's going to unpack this more later. But pl- plans change because yeah. the Spirit moves, and there's different needs that arise. Mm-hmm. So then Paul just stops talking about himself, and he starts boasting about Jesus. He says, we don't write to you anything that you cannot understand or read. I hope that as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because I was confident of this. I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on the way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia. And then you would have sent me on my way to Judea. What he's saying here is, you got to be flexible. Yeah. And don't don't doubt my integrity, don't doubt my character because Paul is laying it all on the line for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. He's not out at the casino. He's not in the temple <laughs> of prostitutes. He's like I'm out here following Jesus. Yeah, with and, integrity. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is why I couldn't get there. So if you mm-hmm. jump ahead to verses 21 and 22, he again goes back to the Lord. He says it's yeah. God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. Mm-hmm. He anointed us He set his seal of ownership upon us, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. And so when we rely on God, you rely on what the gospel says. And even when life takes twists and turns, when you're leaning into the Lord and you're walking humbly and repentantly, you just trust that this roller coaster of a ride, buckle up, it's going to be okay because God's doing something. And he's not going to be thwarted. Mm -hmm. And so this is, again, just a snapshot. This is chapter one. There's going to be a lot more as Paul (laughs) unravels this conversation, this tension of like, Paul left us high and dry. Why should we listen to this guy? So he's going to unpack it more. Yeah. Okay, you guys, thanks for joining us for 2 Corinthians. Reminder, we might be in the studio and some of these in 2 Corinthians might just be audio as well. Correct. And so heads up about that. But we're glad to be with you today. We hope you you are blessed where you are and 2 Corinthians is a gift as you read for yourself. We'll see you tomorrow. The Lord bless you and keep you. He'll make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.